guys, this is Kim, and I have my trusty wingman. It's Melvin. Yes, and you are tuned in to the Soul Sense Podcast, um, a.k.a. Quiet Storm, a.k.a. You Know What It Do, a.k.a. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, I just wanted to be a little silly there. <laughs> So, anywho, we're back at it again, and Melvin, what's going on? Uh, not a lot. Um, I guess maybe, yeah, a lot. When's the last time we, so, uh, we, we've taken a, uh, we missed a week. Um, last week, we, uh, week before last, um, I remember we asked people to pray for our daughter. Well, uh, what, did we talk about that? Yeah, the last time we were on... We asked, we, as we were signing out, we were asking people to pray for our daughter, our oldest, because of her headaches. Oh, yeah. And um, I can't remember if we talked about this yet, but uh, if not. Uh, so a couple of days later, we ended up having to go to the ER. And uh, she had came, well, first of all, she had come home um, and the babysitter, uh, the daycare had said that she was having you know, wasn't being herself, wasn't eating a lot, which she typically doesn't, but also, um, she was not, you know, playing. not playing and, uh, you know, not, not complaining about not getting her way or whatever else, you know, she was just very stoic and that is not our daughter. She mm-hmm. is like a ball of energy yes. and, you know, the, the bad part of that is you got to redirect her a lot, but the good part of that is she's, I mean, she's just hilarious and she's very loving and very personable. But anyway, she was none of those things. And that's the thing that kind of, I guess, triggered you, right? Yeah. And then also her uh, teacher has said that she thought that she was noticing some speech uh, involvement. And, um, you know, I had been praying over my baby. I've been giving her, I had been giving her Tylenol and, you know, and and it just it just kept lingering. And the thing about our oldest is that she has a high pain tolerance. She's like me, so like she can deal with a lot of stuff and be sick. She really could be sick, but she can just like plummet through it, you know. And so when she starts not acting herself, like not eating her favorite foods, not you know doing the things that she, cause like I think. I know something that kind of alarmed me. I had went and got y'all some cupcakes at Gigi's Cupcakes. And I brought them in. And I'm like so excited for them to be, you know, to see the cupcakes. And she's like, okay, mommy, I'll, I'll just I'll just eat it later. And now this little girl is five. Like what little five-year-older does not want a cupcake? And it was like her favorite type of cupcake, sprinkles, all that stuff. So anyway, so I knew something was uh, going on there. Um, but it, it, when that happened, I was like, you know, I'm not, we I, nobody likes to go to the ER, but, you know, at least if something were to happen, everything is in one site. So we headed to the ER and proceeded to be there until 5 a.m. that next morning. And now the good thing, we will give a shout out because uh, Children's Hospital ER is way different than an adult grown-up hospital yes, ER. It is. They were very quick, very efficient, got us back there. Um, 
and figured out, uh, you know, ran some preliminary tests on her and um, ultimately just decided to give her a CAT scan. Hmm. All these things are, are moving really quickly, right? And yeah. uh, Kimberly is like, hey, we're going to go back here and do the CAT scan. Um, pretty much like, you just wait here. And first off, sidebar, I was a tad bit uh, insulted at this whole thing so far because nobody's talking to me <laughs> like i'm i'm up there with and no one is directing any questions any anything towards me and i'm like and i'm trying not to say nothing but inside i'm like man wait a minute i am her daddy like why, why but you gotta understand to though that that is just a natural thing like i worked in a children's hospital and Typically, unless you're like the typical American culture, the the mother just tends to speak for the children, you know? And then you have other cultures that when you're addressing the family, like you speak to the man, you know? But that's not the American culture. And typically in our co- uh, country, the mother does know more. She's more, you know, cause she's the nurturer. Plus, on top of that, I'm a nurse practitioner, so I'm talking. Ah, but them. they didn't know that. But see, I'm talking to them in the lingo. I'm already spitting out history and stuff like that. Like I'm not your typical person coming in. I'm trying to get to the point so y'all can figure out what's going on with my baby. But I, I just, I guess I understand why you was taking offense. I'm like, this is what people do. It ain't got nothing to do with you. I'm asking questions, and they looking at me. No, they like, wasn't. Man, get out of here. I know what I saw. Ooh. But anyway. Uh, nobody is talking to me <laughs> and back to the story. Uh, f- so Kimberly goes away and they're gone about 15 minutes, maybe, maybe less. And next thing I know, uh, they come back in and they got the poo-poo face. You know, my baby got the poo-poo face. And I'm like, man, what's up? And, fe- and Kimberly is like, man, they, she did not do uh, anything. Like she wasn't even trying to. Uh, let them touch her and blah, blah, blah. She freaked out, y'all. We was all good walking down that hallway. We walked into that room where they had the CT scan, and that girl was like, I mean, literally, she was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, not today. And I was like, wait a minute. And I didn't think it was going to be an issue because she's had an x-ray before, you know, because a couple of years back, she had a little bit bout of bronchitis and she um even had pneumonia like it ended up developing into pneumonia and so she's had an x-ray so i'm like you done did that and you was much younger you know what i'm saying we vaccinate our children so it's like you done got poked and you know so i'm like oh they just gonna slide her in and slide out uh-uh she said oh no not today not today and so so they Basically, we're like, okay, we're probably going to have to sedate her. And, of course, we don't want that to happen because who wants to sedate their little baby? You don't know how they're going to deal with that. So we kind of talk to her and pump her up and stuff like that because, meanwhile, we know we can't get around this test. Like, they've done everything else. And the only way that they're going to clear us or keep us is determined by these results of this test because from what she I mean just to give y'all just a little little knowledge 
in my head, I wanted things to be ruled out. When a child starts complaining of headaches, for that matter, anyone, uh, dizziness, anything like that, the first thing, worst case scenario, I'm thinking is a tumor. And then I'm also thinking about meningitis, but she really didn't have a fever. So I was like, eh, well, probably not that. And, you know, she still is acting herself with meningitis. She kind of be kind of taken out a little bit. So worst case scenario, I'm thinking, okay, I want them to make sure nothing's going on in her brain, you know, and that's what a CT scan will do. So we're trying to talk her into it because we know we can't get around it. Then the second time goes around because they just like, we just about to sedate and we like give her one more chance. So then Melvin goes down there and if you go, no, we both go yeah, down there together. But let me keep it real. So they come back in. And I'm, like I said, I, I got a little bit of an internal attitude. I ain't, Kimberly knows, but don't nobody else. No, I ain't talking to nobody else. But uh, I'm like, man, they are tripping. And they come back and I'm like, see, man, I know I should have went down there. And I think I even said this. Yeah, like, you did. I know yeah. I should have went down there, you know, because I'm like, I know how to talk to my baby. I get her to do it, you know. Like I don't know how to talk to him. But you know I do be giving her them pep talks. But anyway. We go down there, and uh, man, when I tell you, I've never even seen her like this before. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have ever seen like a those YouTube videos or seen a thing where you put in a, like somebody try to put a cat in a bathtub or something like that. And the reaction that a cat has, I mean, it's like lightning. It's almost like a, the cat walk on water and jump up out of there so fast. Mm-hmm. That is how this girl is acting with the uh. CT scan thing and it's not like the old school one where it's like this long tube it's just this little donut looking thing Mm -hmm. and you don't even you know but I don't know and my baby is brave typically like she she gone I could tell her to backflip in the pool and she'll do it you know what I'm saying she don't have no type of fears like that and she and we go in there and now I start bribing her on the way down (laughs) and I'm like look if you go in here I'm gonna get you a wee game and i don't we don't do the bribery game no, we but don't. it's a it's about 11 o'clock and i'm like man i'm trying to go home yeah, it, it's i'm gonna like, break all my parenting rules we trying yeah. to go to work the next yeah, day i'm like you know i walk out to the car i go get lammy and uh we ready to that's her little stuffed animal yeah used to be stuffed but uh yeah. we go in there man, and she's like they putting these little uh the Smock little the lead on vest on us because yeah. of the magnetic. And she's like, well, no, no, no. I want to wait for my mommy to get her vest on. And like, I'm starting to think like, is she stalling? Yeah. Like, is this, is she stalling right now? And she's like, no, well, I, I, and then Kimberly get her thing on. Wait a minute. I just want to wait. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. And like, I'm like, okay, let's just see. And I go to pick her up and put her on the table. And she goes full out like panic mode. And like, no, 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 <laughs> not wanting to get put on that table, man, to the point where she is running away, yeah. like in the middle of this room, running around the uh, room. And I'm just looking at the uh, little tech and he like, OK, we're going to have to we're going to have to try it again. And I'm like, ah, oh. so we go back. And what about? Like they ordered, they go, like the tech calls the doctor. They already had the order sitting in 
for it, but they were just trying to grace us, you know. And so when she gets back, the nurse gives her intranasal uh, Versed. So basically they squirt this like conscious sedation medicine up her nose and our, I, I could tell when they did that, like some, some about it didn't give me a good feeling because I just, I guess the way that she had to do it, cause she had to sniff it up and then swallow it and it tasted bad. And so, okay. So literally maybe like five minutes later, she was like high as a kite. Like she's still able to walk and everything like that, but she is like super uber goofy acting, asking the same questions, laughing, just she has a kite. And so we, we're walking down there, walking down there. We get in there and I think Melvin was able to get her up on the table, which was a progress because she wasn't getting nowhere near the machine. She sat on the table. She She sat on the table. She, she would not put her head on that little head thing. I even got up on the table for them to just like show her how far I was going to go in and how far I was going to come out and stuff. They didn't turn the machine on, but like, you know, it's a kid's, it's a children's hospital. So everything about it is supposed to be like conducive for kids. So they got stickers on these things. They got like paintings on the ceiling. I mean, she wasn't having it high as a kite but wasn't too high to realize that she wasn't going in that machine. So at that point, they was like, look, we tired of messing around with y'all. <laughs> we about to knock her out. And I was just like, and by this time, actually, Mel- when we got back to the room, we just were sitting in there waiting. And Melvin was like, we have a good friend of ours. Hi, Brandy. She was taking care, watching our, our baby. And so Melvin was like, it was nearing like, midnight at this point and you know he was like we gotta go and relieve her because we had been there since like six something you know so when he he gets he catches a uber home leaves the car there for me and fair once we get done and he calls back now i call him because i'm trying to update him like because they bringing in like you know uh what's those forms uh consent forms and everything and they're going over the side effects and I get all nervous and I'm like is this really what I'm about to do to my baby you know and so I call him and I'm frustrated I'm gonna be honest I had an attitude because both of us at this point was exhausted and I was frustrated because Farrah was tripping okay we could have been out of there at like nine o'clock but she was tripping and here we are at midnight and Melvin talking about, he got to relieve our babysitter. And I was like, he just trying to, he just trying to leave. And then at that moment I was like, no, I can't even get mad because I am the nurse. So like what, what I look like being the one going home and going to sleep. And I'm the one that got the medical knowledge. I'm like, man, this is just life is unfair. And she talked about you want to do uh Rock, paper, scissors. I sure was, y'all. Well, who gonna go? I sure was. I was like, Let me tell man, you, come the on. The parenting now. struggle is real. See, you love your kids so much, but there's always that reminder about how selfish you can be. So, anyways, so we go ahead, we sign the consent form. I can, I sign it because he's at home. They have to give her an IV, y'all, because they're putting her under. Like they're not, they're gonna knock her out. 
They have to put on a heart monitor to make sure that she does not have any type of respiratory depression, meaning that she stops breathing. They also put on oxygen, a nasal cannula that goes into your nostrils. So just in case she's, her breathing slows, that she's taking in enough oxygen. I mean, it was a whole ordeal, but wait, the biggest ordeal was when they put in that IV, y'all. I was like, why my kid got to be that kid? And as a nurse and any nurses out there, you know, if you've ever taken care of children or just difficult patients, you dread those patients. They just put up a fight and our baby put up a fight. There literally was like four people holding her down. Me being one of them. I had to fight back tears because I was like, I don't want this child to think that I'm like, like abusing her, but I, I knew like the end result, we had to get this CT scan. Like her tears were going to have to wait because I'd rather deal with these tears to know that she ain't had no brain tumor. But anyways, so we, that thing right there, y'all, that, that was the worst part. This situation was so serious that the nurse could not push the medicine herself. The actual attending doctor had to come. Y'all in a CT room, there was like seven folks up in this room, like, the RT, the respiratory therapist was up in there. The nurse that was monitoring her. It was so many people up in there. And my baby still took a while to get knocked out. They telling me that it's, it's going to take just a couple of minutes. This child was trying to walk up off this bed, y'all. Like, <laughs> they, they, I mean, it was a whole ordeal. And then all of a sudden, she just passed out. Like, just went to sleep. She had her little lammy up under her, and she just went to sleep. And they told me that it was probably going to take about 20 to 30 minutes for it to wear off and get out of her system. You want to know how long it took? Two minutes. They went, once we got back to that room, they had to go and get her blood pressure cuff because she had to get a blood pressure cuff. And this girl gets the stirring and sits right on up like, Mommy, where's Lammy? I said, y'all done. Okay. Okay. And proceeded to stay wide awake. And the uh, results, because it was so late, I can only assume that they had to wake up the radiologist because it was like two o'clock when we went down there. We didn't get our results back till four o'clock. And then we finally was walking out at five o'clock. She is okay. And they chalked it up to basically what I, my own conclusion is that she has issues with her vision. And y'all, it was a whole ordeal. So that was week, that was that one week. That was like maybe a couple of days after we had talked with you guys last. And then, oh, and let me tell you how much of a girl, your girl is a beast. Your girl was a beast because I stayed up to five o'clock in the morning, got back home. I went to sleep about, mm, about three hours or so. And got right on up, saw my patients, y'all, came home. I was knocked out for the rest of the night, but I was a beast. Yeah, Hobie held you down, though, didn't He did, he did. He got the kids ready, got them off. I mean, your girl was struggling. I was straight struggling. But that's growth because Melvin will tell you, um, left to my own devices, that would have been easily a, a reason to call out. But you know what? I told you I had a repentant heart, didn't I? I told you I, last time I was repentant, and I did. And I got up and I saw every last one of my patients that was on my roster, 
And uh, I did what I had to do, put my big girl panties on. And so then that next week, Melvin's um, parents flew in. Um, Our baby turned one, so we now have a one-year-older. Oh, I'm so sentimental and a sap. But his parents wanted to be here for her actual birthday. And we were able to spend... Uh, probably they were here probably about a week, almost about yeah. five days, about five days, and so that's what we've been really up to, uh, and while we've been away, and I eventually, guys, we are gonna get consistent again. <laughs> we are, but you know what? Like I've been telling Melvin, in the words of uh the wise man, Lil Duval. I'm, we live in our best life, okay? <laughs> we just live in our best life. We ain't got time to go back and forth with y'all. Y'all just play. <laughs> but no, seriously, though. No. Like, yeah, it's the summertime. You know, we're trying to soak up as much time with our family. Actually, my parents and my sister and niece, they're coming in town in a couple of days. So, you know. We just trying, we told y'all, we trying to lean into our family and that takes time, you know, and that takes commitment. And so, you know, we're going to get back uh, to being routine one of these days, one of these weeks. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so we did have uh, just some some things to share with you guys. Um, we had a cool thing on Sunday. Um, I think we had mentioned before. We've been learning a lot about uh, just David and the life of David, and there's been a lot of different lessons over it. Um, and a lot of them, uh, actually, each one of them have kind of sent me away thinking um, um, and really kind of exposed pieces of my heart for sure. Um, and this week, we looked at uh, David and Jonathan and their relationship. And, you know, just for, for those of you who don't know, um, Jonathan was, well, let's just read a little bit about. Well, it's a pretty lengthy passage, that initial one. Um, so I don't know if you want to read all of that, but Jonathan was Saul's son. Saul was the king, the first king of Israel. And his son was Jonathan. And the relationship with Jonathan and David was that, and it actually says it in the scripture, you probably can read that part, that the moment that they met each other, like the moment that Jonathan met him, they were like linked together. Like they were like the best of friends and very loyal to each other. Um, yeah, it says uh, in First Samuel 17... 57, actually, it's probably 18.1, I think. That'll, it gets into that part. Let's see. 18.1, it says, um, and this is, they're talking about David and Jonathan's friendship. It says, <clears throat> as soon as, he, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul, uh, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and he gave it to David. 
and his armor and even his sword, his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was and this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So. David, I mean, Jonathan is Dave is Saul's son and Saul definitely, you know, throughout the scriptures um, has a pretty contentious relationship with David. He's, you know, jealous a lot of times of of what David is doing. Um, And, you know, even with that, it it was kind of peculiar that that Jonathan just has such a a tight relationship with David. Um, To me, there was so many different reasons why Jonathan could be jealous of David. You know, Jonathan, it could almost be like David is is the favored person, you know, while Jonathan's I don't know how that works, but he's the son of the king. You know, you would think he would be in line to be the next king. Um, so there, in, you know, he knows what the prophecies are. And so he, uh, he, he has this, there's so many, and I suggest you really read through it. We're not going to go all the way into uh, Samuel, but I suggest you really just take some time and read first uh, Samuel and, what is it 17 and 18 really digs into their relationship yeah but um start with chapter 14 um first samuel 14 verses 1 through 23 and then go down to first samuel 17 uh verses 57 all the way through chapter 18 verses 4 so yeah yeah that uh one of the points you just made um was about the the uniqueness of their relationship and that was something that uh, was brought out on the sermon on sunday was that for all practical purposes they really should not have been the best of friends you know because for one um to know the story of david and saul you know that like saul was very envious of him tried to kill actively tried to kill David and um you would just think by just family loyalty that Jonathan would just fall on the bandwagon you know um also envious uh Jonathan could be envious of David because you know he was the prince if his dad is the king he's the prince so who would be next in line you know I'm saying it would be me You know, that's what you would think Jonathan would think. Um, Mark, our evangelist, pointed out a good point. If you read, um, I think that's back in chapter 14, but earlier, um, before David slayed uh, Goliath, Jonathan had, had killed, what is it, hundreds, thousands of Philistines just with him and his armor bearer. But then when Goliath comes later, everyone runs and, and scurries away from him. So like, even with that contrast, like, okay, you are revered in one situation, but later on down the road, you know, David kills Goliath and now he's being pushed up and exalted, you know, human nature, you would think there would be a little envy there and little jealousy. But instead, the uniqueness of their relationship is like, you know, after David spoke with Saul, it said he immediately, their souls 
we're knit together. And it's like, to me, that's, you know, like I have mentioned to y'all in previous um, episodes, you can never push aside the wordings of things, you know, like to say that somebody's soul is knit to your soul, like that's powerful. Like that, that, that ain't no light little friendship. That ain't no shallow relationship. You know, that's not no fair weather friend. Like y'all are connected to each other. And I, I was, I thought that was a really good point that was brought out. Um, that like, that really signifies how deep their relation was and the foundation of what it was. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, again, we just kind of want to set the, I'll actually probably link this uh, sermon into the uh, notes of the show, but um, it's definitely worth, worth taking a good listen to. Um, but the, the really points that he, he drove home, you know, first off, he talked about, you know, that the the language that they used, um, it it meant like his soul was was chained, you know, um, his soul was chained to uh, the soul of David. So I don't know. It just kind of painted this illustration for me of like, you know, I can't get away if I I wanted to. You know what I mean? I'm so, um, I'm so linked to this person and I'm so uh you know in sync with this person that even if I wanted to I I couldn't get away because we are we are chained together you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um I couldn't break this bond if I wanted to um and he asked you know who are you chained to and I really and he, he you know he made the uh the I guess the declaration like besides your spouse you know who are you chained to and that that kind of really mark gave that he asked that question to the oh yeah to the like that that wasn't asked in the bible that was our evangelist asked posed that question to us the audience yeah who are you chained to and that really kind of struck me because um you know i i remember a time kim that um like when i first became a christian like I sought out, you know, relationships and friendships. And there were people who, who like, I, man, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't wait to speak to them. Mm. You know, I couldn't wait to, to tell them about the things that were going on in my life, good or bad. Like, mm. like I remember anticipating, like I remember guys like Ryan Birchfield and Russell Scales, my boy Anwar, uh, Tim Codry, like these are all names, man, that like, I just remember just so much joy of just, you know, just being around them in like, almost like they sustained me, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, even later on in my adult life, you know, just really having times where just like, I just really valued guys like John uh, Jackson and Gerard and you know, I've talked to you before about just these different guys, man, who, uh, you know, I really understood the importance that they, they played in my life, you know, but, but now I cannot really say that, that I have this type of relationship with, with anybody like where, where it's, I think I have these type of relationships available for sure, but I don't think that I have 
like this type of consistent relation relationship with anybody. And it really just kind of struck me like, like I'm a bad friend. You know what mm. I mean? Like I'm a bad friend because there are a lot of people who reach out to me. Um, you know, Tim uh, Hut, Hut, Hutchins, you know, this guy, and I'm just saying random names to y'all, but mm. anyway, this is me being open. Like this dude, this is this guy. He calls me all, you know, all the time, checks up on me and like, you know, I have the most spiritual conversations with this guy. And, um, you know, it's not those one-sided ones where, you know, I'm talking to him and I'm doing most of the giving advice or whatever. Like he, this guy has had different things going on in his life, but we sat down and like, he's asking about me. How are you doing? What do you got going on? And I was like, man, this guy's amazing. But, you know, our friendship has not grown like it could have and it's really because of of me and you know I start that's those things start rushing through my head just being open like mm-hmm. it start rushing through my head like man you really suck man because there there are people who would kill to have just one you know just mm-hmm. one and God is just blessing me with with different opportunities and different you know just places to have deep relationships and I really don't know what it is about me that that I mean I like people it's not like I don't like them but I like I like people but I can just be it could be so hard for me to invest Mm -hmm. um and I think just yeah it's just hard for me to invest you know when he was talking I was thinking like I think my problem is because for me, I'm not a surfacey person, so I, I don't mind having relationships. Like, I actually look to have relationships with people. Um, I can seek it out, and I, I have, I think the problem that I have is that I have the beginnings of so many great relationships, but I think that I can overwhelm myself. Like, they're, like right now, I can name so many people who I've identified as people who will help me grow that I actually, I genuinely love being around them and not because they are just yes people It's because like they actually like one of the things that, um, one of the points from the sermon was, um, let's see, let's see, providing, let's see their friendship, uh, is vision driven. Their friendship was spiritually centered. He was referring to the relationship with Jonathan and, um, David. And I actually know many people like a good handful of people who I'm like, you know what? Me and them could be great friends. It could really be an iron sharpening iron type of relationship, but it's like, I'm, I'm starting to realize that you really can't have that with a whole lot of people at one time. I'll say at one time, because depending on where you're at in your life, you can move and, you know, things can happen, go from one group or whatever. And, you know, you can have different people at different times of your life. But I think for me, like, I can think of a lot of people um, that 
I could be that, I could have that relationship. And it's actually the beginning of that, kind of like what you said, Melvin. But for me, it's not so much of the issue of investing, you know, and not like wanting to invest in it. It's more so I've started too much. I've bitten off too much that I could chew, you know? And so now I can't get with none of y'all because right. me, because meanwhile, I've also feel like the spirit has told me that we need to pay attention to our family. I, there's two things that I feel like the spirit has told me here recently. Y'all need to pay attention to your family. And then you also, you are planted now in a specific, uh, church group where we have mentoring groups and I strongly feel like we need to really invest in getting to know the people in our mentoring group. You know, we've had a couple of changes, people in and out, you know, because of moving and different life scenarios. And so now we've gotten to a place where we've been in a group for a little bit and there's no shuffling up. So now it's time for you to build with people in your group. And so it's kind of like, I want to do that, but then I got these other people too that I want to build with too. (laughs) And so that's where I kind of line up on it. You know, like I am an open book. I'll tell anybody anything about me. I am unashamed, but that's where I fall on the little line right there for me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for both of us, uh, I think it's just a, you know, I think in, when you're dealing with with relationships, if you don't, if you're not careful, um, you could find yourself just kind of lost in the sauce. And um, you know, I've I've seen, and I I have been my, for myself, and I've also seen a couple of different, um, I guess, examples of, of of people. You know, when it comes to relationships. Um, and before that, um, let's look at, you know, this is, these are, first off, here goes some, he gave us some examples of, of what makes a healthy relationship of, of like how to have that type of relationship of, with Jonathan and, and, uh, David, you know, first he talked about their, their relationship was spiritually centered. Um, and I'll just go through these quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said, um, their relationship, uh, each in their, their friendship, uh, in, in their friendship, each one considered the other one greater than themselves. And he gave that example in, uh, first Samuel 18, six, uh, where Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Um, and also they gave examples of with David, like just how, how they viewed themselves like really humbly. And that's the one I really wanted to, to kind of look at, um, you know, I, I see, I see that that gets played, played out in, uh, in situations where, you know, people are, where you can be like, you know, I don't have any deep friendships in the first place you look for the first, first culprit you look at is external. You know what I mean? Like nobody is investing in me. Nobody is, um, you know, I can't get deep relationships with anybody. Everybody's shallow. Everybody this, everybody that. No one wants to meet my needs. I'm meeting other people's needs. Or the church this or the church that. Or my group of friends, even if it's outside, you know. 
you know, we can have that attitude. I've had that attitude before where it's a very critical attitude where where I'm at in terms of relationships, I'm blaming it on everyone else when, you know, one of the most critical components to a godly relationship, which that's the first thing is you've got to have friendships and relationships built on spiritual things. Otherwise, they're going to be built on something very impermanent. You know what I mean? And it's going to be it's just like a marriage. Your marriage has to be centered on spiritual, spiritual things. But, um, you know, the, the key, the, the most crucial component to a spiritual relationship is like that scripture said, each person considering the other person greater than themselves. You have to be, it should almost be a competition. I, we heard we were in a was it a marriage that that marriage training class, uh-huh. and he was saying like you should be on a mission to outserve one another. I mean, it's the same thing. You should be on a mission to, um, you know, like always checking yourself to make sure that you are considering your your those others greater than yourself. And when you're doing that, um, when and whenever you find yourself blaming other people like if you don't have deep relationships and you're blaming other people there goes the the number one uh sign that is your fault Mm -hmm. because you're looking at other people's investment to make this this these friendships work Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that comes out you know that just means you're a selfish friend when you're just out here looking for other people and what they have to 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 add in now i'm not saying I mean, you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, it's kind of like what what it uh, what the Bible says in Matthew. You know, before you talk about the speck in somebody's, uh, uh, before you talk about the speck, take the plank out of uh, your eye. And you know, I've you know to be on a more practical level, like I've, I think we've all we can all get that victim mentality, like you said, you know. But one of the things that I always try to remember myself when I get to that point where I want to complain is being that person that was on that receiving end of being told that I wasn't a good friend or something like that. You know, I was having a conversation uh, with a person and she was telling me about, you know, different things about, you know, the characteristics that she thought she saw in me. And hey, I can't say that she didn't see those things. But something that I could not shake the thought of, you know, as I'm listening to her is like the very things that you are saying that you need in a friendship, you're not even giving them. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things that I think we have to be very self-reflective on. And when I look at that point, that's what I think of. One of the things I think of when you're talking about considering others better than yourself is like, okay, First off, like, who am I to feel like I should get, you know, a treatment that I'm not even willing to give myself, you know, and I, that's just something that I've tried to train myself and I still train myself. I'm still trying to remind myself to do when I get to that point where I'm starting to be critical. Like I'm asking myself, are you doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like you're asking people to be in your life and to not be shallow. Have you been showing people that you're shallow, you know, and then that gives you better perspective. Cause then you could be like, well, no, I don't think that I'm being shallow, but for this person, I can see how they can, re- they can, you know, view me 
as X, Y, and Z. And so I just, I always think about that when I had that conversation with this particular woman and she was just talking, not just about, you know, just how she felt her relationship with me was just in general. She was just talking about how it was just hard for her to get deep with certain people. And I remember asking her like, well, are you reaching out to people? Like, you know, because people got their thing too. Like your insecurities you have, people got their insecurities too. So you just ain't nobody going to talk to nobody. Somebody got to initiate, you know? So anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you say that, you, you know, it, it is a, one thing that we can do a lot of times is, it, and it goes back to that considering others greater than yourself. And you kind of alluded to it is, you know, we could be very critical on what other people are not bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even in my, you know, in, in my marriage, you know, I could, we had a, a conversation this morning where, um, you know, I was talking to Kimberly about some stuff and um, it, you know, I just wasn't very happy with the way that she was receiving, like the way that she was coming at me. And I was feeling like, you know, man, you're jumping to, you're like, you're, you're jumping to, uh, I like you ju- being very judgmental. Like I'm just, I don't, I thought this was the safe space. You know what I mean? I thought we were just here to, to keep it real. You know what I mean? And I just want, we just, I just want to have a conversation and I think I was valid in my point, but it was making me very frustrated. And I was like, you know, I don't do that to you. And um, she was like, well, I mean, you do, because we just had the same conversation, uh, uh, you know, a same, a similar conversation. And this was how it came out. And I just kind of thought about, I was like, man, and not to say whether my point was right or wrong or her point was right or wrong, but what is true about it is if I look at like it's difficult knowing how to relate how to be whatever it is for that person and you know you're you're spending your whole life especially for your significant other you're really just trying to figure out how how to be for this person in all situations and that's very difficult and the way that I was coming at her was almost like man this is an easy thing to do you know what I mean you know what I need I need you to be that and I think we could do that I know if I do that at home I could do that a lot of places you know and and I to be honest maybe I don't because I don't necessarily I'm not affected as much by by the outside world than I as I am by my my wife but Definitely, man, just dealing with other people in my expectations for how they I want them to deal with me is really can sometimes be off off of what I bring to the table. Like I I want grace when hmm. when I mess up, you know what I mean? If I say something the wrong way or or if I'm a little too pushy or if I'm aloof, I want grace. Man, you understand what I am. I'm man, you, I offer other good things. So you, you should understand that. That's just what comes with it. Like, give me some grace. But if it's on the other foot, I can be, you know, really demanding. Um, and, and sometimes it's not vocally. That person may not even know. But I just check out. I just dip out and be like, I'm not, I'm not even going to deal with this person uh, on that level anymore. 
and it's not even something that I do intentionally, but it's just, just my nature. And it goes back to what you were saying. Like I'm not considering other people greater than myself. Now, what I will say is the first thing that can come to mind is like, if we're going into these type of relationships like this, how do you protect yourself from being, uh, you, because there, there are toxic relationships Mm -hmm. and you can't be in a relationship where you're the only person giving. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you protect yourself from that? Oh, that's well, well, I'm still learning, uh, but that's, I'm a huge, Melvin, I tell you, I am a huge advocate for boundaries, you know, and I put in these boundaries, not so much to protect myself, but to protect other people too, you know, cause I don't want to hurt people's feelings just as much as I don't want my own feelings hurt. So I put up like these kind of like mental safeguards to that no matter who you are, this is what is going to be across the board. You know what I'm saying? So there won't be any guilt that I will carry. There won't be any like caving into something that I really don't want to do. This is my standard, you know, and if it's not good now, of course, you know, there may be some times where I, you know, so let me give you just an example. Um, I have come to a point in my life where I don't answer the phone for pretty much anybody (laughs) at certain times during the day. The only person that I answer the phone for, he, whenever this call comes in, I answer it if I hear it and I, you know, I'm available and that's my husband. Um, and the reason why I do that, you know, it's not to be rude and not to whatever. And it's not that I don't go around and answering people's phone calls, but I know that there are certain times throughout the day, like we all have where we're tired, we're irritable. And I know that in those times, you know, or like, let's say like you, you know, somebody calls you, but you only literally have like a couple of minutes because you may be running to go pick up your kids or you may be getting ready to meet up with somebody or go back in from a lunch break and you literally have like a couple of minutes. Like I would feel guilty about not picking up the phone and talking to somebody, but then I'd be on the phone talking to people for 10 minutes, 20 minutes and you know, and I literally only had two minutes, you know what I'm saying? And that's just something minor, but I just started to think about that. Like, you know, you have to start controlling your time and your life. You know, we, we can't, we can't control everybody else, but we got, we have to control ourselves or try to within the Lord. So what I do is in those moments when I'm irritable or I'm exhausted or I'm eating or whatever. There's just like those moments where I need to not be on the phone. Like I'm trying to be with my husband. I'm trying to be with my kids or whatever. I don't answer people's phone calls. Now, text messages. I like text messages because you can always get back to people when you get back to it. But with phone calls, I have learned that people with the best intentions, they still 
will take all your time. You know what I'm saying? Nobody will monitor your time for you other than yourself. And, um, I, me and Melvin actually had, we had to agree to disagree about this because we have a family friend who called me at a time when I was trying to rest (laughs) and I was trying to take a nap. And he was like, you need to call her. You need to call her back. Cause she was in town and stuff and wanting to come in and spend some time with our family. And I was like, okay, I literally am going to give myself 45 minutes because right now, knowing who this person is and the conversations that I've had in the past, I need to be mentally prepared to talk to her because what I don't want to do is snap on my friend. What I don't want to do is be short with my friend because I love this person. And if I know that I cannot give that to her right now, let me get to a place where I'm, I am genuinely trying to get to that place where I will be at a place to be the best friend that I can be to her. So it's not about protecting myself in that moment. It was about protecting her because I know how I get when I'm irritable and I was irritable at that time. I needed to take me a nap. (laughs) And you know, I still don't necessarily agree with her in that, but. And and you have that right to not agree. Right. But, and here goes the thing, you know, I think having boundaries, I think having all those things are, are, are good, but all of them, can be dangerous without the most important thing. And that's building your relationships. Like we said before on godly things, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because I did not agree with Kimberly in that. And I still don't, but what I do know is that this wasn't something that she just came up with for herself. You know what I'm saying? This is something that, that came out of prayer and out of, Studying you know, it out, studying and, boundaries right. out. And and so it's built on godly principles. And so even if, you know, as a as the husband, and I'm sure that, that as her husband, if I would have been like, Kimberly, I really want you to do this. And, you know, we would have had, we could have gone down that path. But at the end of the day, I didn't have to necessarily agree with her. But the thing I do agree with is that if you took it to God and you, you know, you're, you're letting this thing, you're letting the Bible and the spirit be a filter. And so how do we protect ourselves from being taken advantage of is that our relationships, the ones that we're really investing in. Now I'm not talking about mentoring people and helping people out, being evangelistic, but I'm talking about your friends, your best friends have to be centered on spiritual things because then you guys are both invested it's it's, you guys are equally yoked and you're working from the same foundation and so that it doesn't matter whether I'm in a good mood or a bad mood or you come wrong at me or I come wrong at you we're we those things change you know what I mean so let's say with Kimberly she is not in the best of moods and she doesn't answer the phone and and maybe she doesn't call back at all that day. Right. You know, if you don't have a godly relationship, sometimes that could be, man, that could be bad news. But if you have a godly relationship, even if that person needs to say, Hey, you know, I would have really appreciated you giving me a call. It's, it's not going to be this crazy emotional headache type of thing because you're all working from the same place and you can let that person 
and, and, and their concern is more with, with you. You know what I'm saying? They're not coming from a place where I deserve a call and I, this, and I, that that's a freaking headache, man. But you know, you're working from, from something that is not, that doesn't waver like we waver. You're working from, from a, a solid foundation. Some, some things that I, I, I saw that, that are like components of a godly relationship. So, I'm going to throw a couple of these out. John 15, 13 says, uh, greater love has no one than this than to lay, uh, to lay his life. His, I'm sorry, to lay one's life down for his friends. Um, in Hebrews, uh, chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the day and, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's tons. If you just look up scriptures on godly relationships, you know, there's tons of just different scriptures that really can describe what these relationships should look like. And Mark, back to, to him, you know, his whole point was this is what we have to strive for. You know, this is what our relationships have to be. Um, and even if you are not, you know, the, the, the mission of this podcast really is like, why are these? These are practical things, mm-hmm. right? Like a friendship period. You should start out by being equally yoked. You guys should have a unified goal and a really a a the same type of of uh, moral compass. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, for me, I'm going to say it's got to be spiritually centered because any any other thing, let's say you're the thing you guys are linked up on is you're both really career focused. You guys are both career focused and you guys relate on that because you're both driven i think that's good right but i think that those that's not permanent because yes when my job search isn't going good or my thing isn't going well then i'm not going to be the best friend to be around i'm not going to want to hear about your great news about what you got going on because i'm the thing that relates us is very selfish and very self-centered now that doesn't mean like for me my my relationships the foundation has to be spirituality right we got to be equally yoked on on that and they've got to be centered around god mm-hmm. now on top of that there are layers after that i do surround myself my best friends are going to be people who also have the same who are driven who have the same drive as me because otherwise we're not going to be able to to check each other. You know what I mean? We're not going to mm-hmm. be able to, to, to challenge. Like one of my, my closest friends is a guy named Adam Nagel. We have on paper, we have nothing in common as far as like, we are from two opposite ends of the spectrum as far as if you were just looking at us, but I have the best conversations with this guy because we just have the same type of focus, but he's younger than me. Um, and, He's probably like 10 times more focused. He's like a Doogie Howser genius kid. Mm, but, uh, yeah. you know, I love being around him and I love talking to him because not only spiritually, but on those other layers, he really helps me. He challenges me and he makes me challenge myself like, man, what am he's like? He's one of those guys that are super smart, super accomplished, but he's never 
just resting. You know what I'm saying? He's always mm-hmm. trying to grow. And we have helped each other back and forth on, on, on those type of things. And so, you know, yes, you're, it's got to start spiritually. But I think, you know, from there, you know, if you're in, in the kingdom, you're in a church and you got to, you know, supposedly all of you guys are, are you have that ground to work yeah. from. Yeah. But then after that, you got to start looking at the other pieces. That makes. Yeah. And, you know, something that um, made me this is one of my reflective things that I just kind of was thinking, you know, because you hear stuff and you just start thinking and you start internalizing and like, wow. OK, so how are my relationships? And I think it it can wane for us. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes work to keep your relationships like grounded in the right things. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it's just easier to talk about the football game that's coming up or football season coming up. Sometimes it's just easier to just like, you know, especially with those who have kids, it's so easy to just use your kids as a cop out. Like you don't want to be pressing into deep stuff all the time. You know, but so I, I, you know, and even with people who are considered to be those friendships that are like spiritually centered. And so one of the things I was thinking about when he was talking, I was just like, you know, how, what does that look like, you know, for me, you know, and am I doing that consistently? You know, like what does spiritually centered look like for Kimberly because it may not look that same for someone else that let's don't use that as a cop-out but like we're all made differently so for me what I have identified and what I need to do you know um and really strive to do for myself is that I'm a type of person that if this is going to be my lifestyle and it's going to be infused into what I do, then I need to talk about it as freely as I talk about anything else. So like when I'm just out randomly talking to somebody, you know, if a scripture just happens to be appropriate at the time, it's going to be appropriate. You know what I'm saying? If somebody asks me about, I don't know, you know, you know, how long you've been married, almost 10 years. And it's been by the grace of God, we still together and going strong. You know what I'm saying? Like it, God is infused in my life because he is my life. Just like with anything else, we so freely talk about our careers. We so freely talk about our children. How come we don't freely talk about God? And so that's been something that I challenge myself with. But then I also, when on Sunday, I was just thinking, like, have you been consistent with that, Kim? And I will have to say with some, some people know, you know, it's like, oh, I just don't want to get into it. And that's just keeping it 100. I mean, that's just keeping it 100. Like, you know, sometimes you just be tired. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go there. Um, something else you had touched on, it was one of the points too from the sermon was having a, um, friendship that's vision driven, you know, and you know, there, like I told y'all guys earlier, like I, I know lots of people that I love to be friends with. I've always been that person. That's like the more, the merrier, you know what I'm saying? Like I've never had a problem making friends. I'm not shy in that regard. And so, but I can bite off too much than I can chew because you really cannot build with 20 people. You can build with maybe two people. 
like truly build where you know about them and they know about you. They know about what you're struggling with. They know about your goals. You know what I'm saying? And really, to be honest with you, anything more than that probably would be exhausting to you, you know, to know all those people's problems and all those people's, you know, so it's like practically you wouldn't be able to do it even if you wanted to. And that's where I'm at. Like I want to, but I, I really can't. I physically and mentally can't. And so anyways, but I think about the people who like, I think God reveals to me like who those people are in my life. Those are the people who, who like spur me on. You know, um, this kind of ties into another point that he has was like, you know, encouragement has to be a staple. Like those people who it's like, y'all just kind of link up and like, Melvin, have you ever had those people that when you meet them, like you don't even have to know them for long, but it's like y'all linked. I think the Davises are like that for us. Norman and Jolanda are like, I feel like we're like knit to them, even though we don't even, we didn't even know them that long. Yeah, you know what? That I think there's a couple of of couples like that for me. I think the Davises for sure, man. Like yeah. I, I get, you know, I miss the days that we were all in the same group. You mm. know, I really uh, Norman is like just an easy dude to talk to, and you know, both of them are very humble, um, just in the way that they they to to be where they're at, you would think that they would have a lot more, um, they would be a lot more difficult to talk to. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because, and, and by that, I just mean like, you know, man, they got great kids and, you know, I mean, it's great. And, and they're they still an come, awesome yeah, couple. They just they come off awesome. so, so gentle. Real. And, and re- without being soft though. Yes. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't just go through naming names, but it's, you know, You'll, you've heard us say the Jackson's name on here about 50,000 times, yeah. but like, there's just, and there's others, man, just people who I can just, I don't know, man, just I feel uh, really linked to. Yeah, like, I, I feel like. Brian and Brandy. Yeah, Brian and Brandy. Like, I mean, Brian and Brandy Davis. Hey, y'all. Um, like, I just was like, you, I can think of of people and I'm like I feel that way or as much as I can understand it how Jonathan felt with David like you met them and then now you feel like y'all are connected and bonded you know what I'm saying and it's almost like there's really nothing that you can do that will like damage my loyalty to you like there's really nothing like I can't I was thinking about that with Valeria and Chavis like there's nothing that that they can do that would like make me not be loyal to them. Like yeah, I will always like have, the wheels yeah, I will always have a foundational respect. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that can happen. And so, so yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I think this was a good one. Yeah. Uh, we may have to do a, a part due on this. Um, but yeah, uh, if there's anything we want to leave you guys with is just <clears throat> make sure you, you, really evaluate where your relationships are you know what I mean and find out like what are they based off of and if you feel like you don't have any friendships you don't have any deep relationships 100% start with yourself you know what I mean start with figuring out what it is what I'm gonna be doing and, and if you're like me you know where you have a lot of you know like for me I, I really feel like 
I, I just got to start evaluating like where in my heart is it a trust thing? Because I definitely have had like deep relationships and, you know, within the kingdom that um, really left me wounded. Like, and I'll, I'll talk about this more later, but, you know, yeah, we all have got those stories. And some of that stuff, we don't do it consciously, but we have to be aggressive in weeding it out because really what it results in is missed opportunities of, of really the only thing that matters in life. And that's, you know, people, you know what I mean? Deal, having deep godly relationships. Otherwise, if, if it was just us and God, he just put us out on the island and we'd just be us and God. It's a reason why he has us worship together. He has us this idea of corporal communal worship. It's because it's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you got. Uh, that's all you have is one another. When every all the chips are down and everything is gone, and you don't want to be that person that, you know, no, no one knows you. No one, you know, when you're hurting, you got to spend two hours explaining who you are before anyone could ever even understand your, your pain. You want people to be in your life and vice versa. Light, your life isn't rich if you're not pouring into somebody else, man. If there's nobody who, if you're not having conversations at least once a month where you feel like you're having an impact on somebody's life, then you're not really living. Like, you're just not. I, and I, I can say that with all sincerity, man. Like, if you're not impacting people, then it's just it, really, really living a bland, self-centered life. And you, but all those things take going out and and really having a lot of self-examination and and really the challenge they gave like going and asking somebody else like go ask someone else what type of friend you are go ask your best friend what type of friend am I you know and and find out don't get mad if, if they say yeah be ready for the answer yeah yeah i've been trying to think about i'm trying to get the courage up to ask that question <laughs> but uh yeah so anywho well i guess that'll be about it um like i said um y'all we're gonna get consistent y'all bear with us you know um we're we're really like we said the spirit has been really prompting us to really lean into our family and uh, my daughter my oldest daughter will be starting starting kindergarten in about a week and a half actually in about a week and so you know we we you know be patient with us we're trying to put out consistent content we thank all of you all who listen and we thank you guys who have reached out to us personally i am so encouraged that somebody even listening <laughs> period you know um this is a labor of love um and, and um it's just something that we we're learning as we go, and so we thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we, like I said, we're going to get consistent. Hopefully, it'll be sooner than later. Um, I would say we'll see y'all next week. 
I'm going to try to, I'm going to go ahead and speak that into existence. We're going to see you next week. We're going to start putting our right foot forward, our best foot forward and live our best life. Like brother Duval told us to. And, um, anything else before I sign us off completely? No, man, I think I'm good. All right. Well, you have Kim here and my trusty wingman, Melvin. And you were listening to the Soul Sense Podcast. We will catch you next week. Thank you. Bye.